show featuring Lenny. Only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a healthy scratch should last at least a few minutes. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And uh, I am so happy to be joining you on, well, it's, it's, it's raining in LA, so it's not a delightful day, but it is a delightful day because uh, this is a very special episode. It's actually sort of a miniseries. I'll explain in a second. I am joined today by two of my good friends, frequent collaborators, voices you have heard a lot, Bill Barnwell and Dominique Foxworth. Guys, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. <laughs> thank you for specifying me. Uh, it's a great honor to be on the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny. Uh, is Lenny going to be participating today? Lenny is not participating today because it's, it, 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 it's a little crowded. It's a little mm. crowded. I mean, he he participated in the construction of the take. So that's what we're doing. I'm going to I'm going to tell you what we're doing right now. I um so uh this is the concept of today's podcast. It's sort of like the show Hot Ones where each of us, if you've never seen it, you can check it out, are going to present three takes progressively hotter and see how kind of how they go down. Um the, but the, but it's not just that. Uh, so I'm going to do three takes, which the, the, the aforementioned takes that Lenny helped me put together. Uh, and we're going to talk about them. And then after I'm done, we're going to head over to Dominique Foxworth's podcast, the Dominique Foxworth show. And Dominique is going to do the same thing. And then oh. we're going to get wow. over to... I got the order wrong? already. Oh, Messing my God. Already. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, first right. of all, you said hi to Bill. You didn't say hi to me. I, I also you well, I was, mixing up the orders of the podcast. I didn't I want you guys talking over on. each other. I thought if I said hi to Bill, then you would say wow. hi after. It's, it's, it's called radio. You know? Just assume so, we're so incompetent that we can't not talk over each other. I already screwed up with the order. I can't believe that. Okay, so you go to Bill's podcast. Bill's going to do his takes. Dominique and I are going to evaluate them, assess them. Then you go to Dominique Foxworth's podcast and Dominique is going to do his takes. And I think that the order is actually appropriate because mine are probably the least spicy and Dominique's are... Actually, Bill, you've got some pretty... You've got one that's quite spicy, I have to say. That's called a tease, guys. You know what? Nobody remembers the takes you get right, so might as well throw some crazy ones out there. <laughs> Wait, that's the, the opposite is true if nobody remembers. Um, anyways, okay. So we did mild, medium, spicy is the, uh, the order of these takes. So I'm going first. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm going to start with my mild one. So this is the, the buffalo wing of takes. I don't think it's that spicy. Um, but it's a definitely a take. And it's a take that I, I want to say I didn't have maybe like two or three weeks ago. Uh, this is about a division that I was waffling with, a division I just talked about at length. Uh, it was my final division preview with John Ledyard, the NFC South. Go check that out if you guys haven't. Uh, he was a fantastic guest. And after reviewing the rosters and looking at the schedules, a take I arrived at is the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans, New Orleans. will win 11 games this year Ooh. in the division. You said my takes were spicy. I feel like if this is the mild one, we are. This off is to incredibly a hot start. mild, Bill. You're, you're too nice. Be honest with Mina. This take <laughs> is not spicy at all. This is not even buffalo sauce. This is just a fried wing. It's a little salty. That's it. <laughs> They're loaded with talent, and they got, got a mediocre quarterback, bit. which is better than every other team in that division. No one else has uh, a mediocre okay. quarterback. Let me explain my reasoning first before you. I guess you support my take by. Oh yeah, it's it. right. It's right. It's uh, a good take. 
Okay, so uh, the FDN Almanac just came out. I really recommend that folks check that out. It used to be Football Outsiders, great read. Uh, and they have, based on projected DVOA, the New Orleans Saints having the easiest schedule in the NFL. So that's really mm. where we should probably start. Uh, in addition to playing the NFC South, they play the AFC South, which is probably the worst division in football. I'm not saying they're going to you know, win all those games necessarily. They also play the NFC North, which is, um, I think there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule. And then the other two games are the Patriots and Giants, which, um, you know, if you're going to play a team in the AFC East, uh, Patriots, although I actually don't even know if I'll have them winning that game. But when you go through the schedule and you look at NFC South, NFC North, AFC South, Patriots and Giants, it's not hard to come up with 11 wins. So before we get into the actual football team and what I think about them, I think it, um, this is really a schedule-based take. <laughs> Mild. Yeah, it's drenched in ranch everything. This, <laughs> this, this take is like cornflakes. But I like it. It's the right take. I have a take, take that challenges it later when we get to mine eventually. But, I mean, <laughs> the big question I think you start whenever you're doing, like, projections of divisions, most people probably start at the quarterback, and we don't know what Bryce Young is. We know the rest of the quarterbacks – probably aren't that good. Derek Carr has had an exceptional career, and somehow the uh, the Saints always manage to be, like, incredibly talented and never quite win a Super Bowl. But, like, they're a pretty good team. They're old, but they're good. Mm, that That's a big thing to mention, though, Dominic Foxworth. That they're, that they're old. old. Yeah. They're not just mm. old. They're the oldest team in the National mm. Football League. They were the oldest team in the NFL last year. And they're not getting any younger because they can't really afford to get any younger. And a lot of those players on that roster who they're kind of stuck with because of all their contract restructures, I don't think they're playing as well as maybe their names would indicate. Cameron Jordan set uh, career lows, but lowest sack total, lowest knockdown total since 2012. Um, Michael Thomas has been hurt for most of the last three years. Alvin Kamara, not just suspended, but has been declining since Drew Brees was not in the lineup. Uh, They lost their entire defensive tackle rotation. Like, they have a whole new set of defensive tackles uh, because of of cap reasons and because they did not necessarily draft that well. They have a lot of missing sort of draft picks from the past few years, players who have been either – uh, who are off the roster, who have not lived up to expectations. I, I, I Derek Carr is going to make them better, but it's not like Andy Dalton was bad last year. Like it wasn't as if, you know, mm. it, it, it was a Zach Wilson situation where it was like, yeah. oh man, the quarterback play was so bad. Like Andy Dalton was pretty good, all things considered. So Derek Carr is going to make them better, but I, I just think there's a real floor to this team that gives me a little bit of pause. A floor or a ceiling, like oh, you, floor. Like, like, floor, like, like, like you think I, they I, could be bad? I think they could be bad, bad. Like, Steve, I think they could I, be a five have, or six ooh. win team. Oh wow! You should save that for your spiciest take. See, I have the opposite feeling where I think there might be a ceiling with this team, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, like this to me feels like a team that could win eleven games and then just get bulldozed in the <laughs> like. But um, but Saints fans are like, what? You were on our side. Come on. Okay, so here here's my rebuttal to some of the stuff Bill said, all of which is very reasonable. Um, so offensively, let's start there. Mm -hmm. I actually think while they, so the Saints, to do like a a brief recap of the last 10 years in New Orleans Saints, had like, went on like one of the all-time draft tears um, for like two years-ish and then had a lot of bad drafts. 
However, I actually think they have some young talent. Um, this was my big takeaway watching the offense to prepare mm-hmm. for the NFC South pod. One, what Bill said is correct. Andy Dalton was not that bad last year. Yeah. Uh, Bear's mentioning. But also, you had a bunch of guys break out. Uh, Alave obviously mm-hmm. looks like a home run pick. Rashid Shaheed, uh, Juwan Johnson at tight end. Looks like they might have found, so I know it's premature, but A.T. Perry, who's the, the guy they drafted late uh, from Wake Forest this year, looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. So my feeling is if Michael Thomas is healthy, this is like an unreal group of skill players. Like I would put mm-hmm. them actually near the top of the NFL. But if he's hurt, I actually don't think it's a disaster scenario for this uh, offense because I just I like the other players a lot. I think Kamara... You're right, is aging, but I also think he was kind of used a little bit oddly last year. He Mm -hmm. was, uh, the space was very constricted at times. So I could see him benefiting from everything I just said in terms of the skill players. I think um, Trevor Petting is going to take another leap at tackle. Interior of the offensive line does concern me. But that's where I think Derek Carr can be helpful because... While last year he was very much like not Derek Carr, he was like bizarro Derek Carr in literally every way, the version of Derek Carr, Dominique, that we've seen a lot of his career is a guy who gets the ball out quick, pretty accurate, good at throwing in rhythm, makes a lot of sense for this offense. You know, it's a West Coast offense, Pete Carmichael's office, the coordinator, that I think is going to be pretty good. I appreciate that Bill has so many spicy takes that he's spilling spicy takes into <laughs> into your wing basket by saying that they might win five or six games, which I think is probably spicier than saying the team with the easiest record or the easiest schedule in football by, by far might win 11 games. But I think the offense, I feel, I mean, I feel like the floor is the way that I look at it. If we're talking about the floor ceiling thing that you guys were using, I think the offensive floor is pretty high because if you go down the most important positions, they're stable or good. So, like, if you start with quarterback's most important position, I think we can say that Derek Carr is average to slightly above mm-hmm. average at times, but I think average is fair. You look at the tackles, which I would argue is possibly the next important position. They're stable at both tackles. And then a number one, true number one receiver. They got two of them in Olave, I think, and Michael Thomas, if Michael Thomas can go back. Michael Thomas isn't the style of receiver that I like, but he's an effective player when he's healthy. And then Shahid to back them up. And Kamara, who's a effective back who if nothing else is still requires uh, the attention of defense and has enough skill to do interesting things with a smart coach. So that's why I feel like the floor is pretty high for them offensively. Defensively is where the age and the, could be a concern because Tyron Matthew is up there and he's someone who played, I think, better than he played at the end of his Kansas City career. He played better last year than I, I kind of thought he was on a downslope and he bounced back a little bit last year. The stuff about Jordan you already touched on. So I, I get concerned because if you look at the most important positions on defense, you're looking at Cam Jordan at the rush end and you're looking at the corners where Lattimore is good. I don't know about the other side. In those positions, I don't feel as like strong as I do the, um, the uh, offensive side. But then you look at their schedule and you're like, ah. Doesn't but who going to check me? Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. But who going to check me? I got a couple uh. questions. Dominique, first off, when you say Michael Thomas is not the kind of receiver you like, explain. He's saying Slant Boy. <laughs> Do we know who originated that insult, by the way? Who originated Slant Boy? Was that I Carlton can't Davis? It was definitely... Uh, it was a defensive player. It definitely feels like it should be a buck, but... 
And CJ Gardner Johnson is on his team, so it couldn't be CJ Gardner Johnson, <laughs> which would have been my yeah. guess. It's one of the all time effective yes. insults. Oh, like for sure. uh, whoever thought of that, I hope you are proud of yourself out there. Well, Bill Bill was going with a, a harsher criticism of him, I do believe. Not only is he slant boy, but he's like uh <laughs> training room boy like it felt like that's uh, where you were going with that with him being healthy uh no. Stanzik, our dan Stanzik, who's producing says confirms it was in fact carlton davis carlton Ooh, davis take a bow. salute salute my man uh no seriously what did you mean by the kind of receiver you don't necessarily like yeah i mean i i like game breakers i like guys that you have to worry about um that you need to double team. I think of uh, Mike Thomas as a guy that maybe you need to double team on third and six, but you don't need to double team him on first and 10. He's not going to give you a monster big play touchdown. Uh, a reliable move to change guy is certainly useful, but when I think of a true number one receiver, like I really like a guy who on first and 10, we're like, you know what? We can't load the box because we need to lean somebody over here because he might take the top off the defense mm -hmm. that's fair no question he's not that kind of player even in his prime but i mean if they can get even like 80 percent of what he was a few years ago for 12 games that would be such a benefit for this offense i think they can survive without him like you guys have said but it's just like an added bonus if they could pull that off i think the one thing i would i would take odds with um the left side of the offensive line trevor penning he started one game as a pro so far. Like, he's been kicked out of practice more times than he's started NFL games so far in his <laughs> That's career. That's his thing, though. He's nasty. That is his thing. He, he, was, he was the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson replacement. They had to have one alpha for, like, like possibly getting into fights with his own team. That's why they had to trade uh, CGJ last year. But that left side of that line could be a concern because Trevor Penning, we don't know what he is yet. Yeah, I hope he works out great as a first-round pick, but we don't know. Mm. Andres Pete has been hurt pretty much often on the past four years. There's talk he might even uh, be the week one starter at left guard. It could be James Hurst at guard as opposed to Pete. I agree. I agree. But like, if James, if they need James Hurst to play left tackle because Trevor Penning is not a yeah. great left tackle, he can't play both spots. So I think that's one of my concerns is what happens if the left side of the line is, instead of being solid, below average. Uh, right. I think that's that's totally legitimate. Uh, I get so 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 some of my case with the offense is definitely based on Trevor Penning taking the leap. I mm -hmm. have to admit I was very persuaded by a single drive in the preseason, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, but I want to say this about the defense because we, we were talking about the, the, the offense. I think Bill, your concerns about the pass rush, uh, especially the loss, the DT, concerned. I, I, I are, are legitimate rather. Um, I think the best case scenario for this defense does lean on one of the young guys has to step up, whether mm -hmm. it's Brissy, Isaiah Foskey, who they drafted this year out of Notre Dame. John and I talked about this, but I really like the secondary. I do yeah. think Alante Taylor is a decent young corner. The rest of the secondary is really good. Um, they get Pete Warner back, who I think is one of their better draft picks in recent mm -hmm. year at off-ball linebacker. And also, this defense is like they defy logic. In the second half of the season, despite the fact that they were like near the bottom of the league in pressure rate, they rate first in yards per attempt, first in yards per play, first in opposing passer rating. Wow. Uh, they finished fourth in weighted DVOA. They're just good. They're just mm. really well coached. Yeah. And I think because you have, like, I think Demario Davis is like one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL. Um, and I know he's old, and I know there's a lot of old guys, but 
I don't think they need to be a top five defense to win 11 games uh, because of the, I keep going back to the schedule. So I rest my case. We're, okay, so let's move on to the medium take. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, I've been infected by Josh Allen disease. And when I see Pete Werner, I just want to say milk check. All right, next take. Next take. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're infected by Josh Allen disease and you think any quarterback who can't throw 50 yards across the field is is mid. So this take on its face might not seem that spicy. It's a medium. I have that I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a top five offense. Hmm. Um, So the reason why I think it is spicier than it seems... So this is the offense that before Lamar Jackson went out last year was top five in DVOA despite some ups and downs, particularly obviously in the passing game. Um, As of week 11, they were the best rushing team in the NFL, ninth in passing, seventh in points per drive, eighth in EPA per play, yada, yada. I think, though, it is a little bit spicy because it's we're talking about not just a ton of new players being integrated, but a probably one of the more dramatic schematic shifts we will see in recent NFL history. And like that doesn't usually translate to a meet. Like if you change literally everything you do, your identity based on what we're hearing about Baltimore, that usually there's a bit of an adjustment period, right? So for them to not only stay good, but actually improve and finish top five, it would seem to me probably, I feel like I'm depending, I'm defending rather than the take, the spiciness of the take now, Dominique's in my head. Yeah, yeah. But that would be... That's what you need to be defending. You need to prove to us that any of these takes are spicy. So let me lay out your second (sighs) spicy take for you. Maybe top five offensive line, MVP at quarterback, a first round pick in Zay Flowers, uh, all pro tight end, a really good running back, and then you add Bateman back to it, who seemed like a true number one wing is healthy, and then you add Odell Beckham to it. Oh, my gosh. This team's going to be good at offense. I have been listening to – I listened to some other NFL pods who did top ten offenses, and none of them – they did not have Baltimore in the top five. Um, I just want to say that. So, Bill, I mean, let's start here. Rather than debating the spiciness. Do you agree or like, do you think it's going to be difficult for them to achieve that? I don't know that I agree, but I see the vision here. It's it's easy for me to imagine things coming together the way Dominique was sort of clarifying. But let me ask you, Mina, if you were to break down this take into components, like break down the wide receivers, the offensive line, the running backs, Lamar, what part of it concerns you the most? What part Ooh, feels like question, the flimsiest so, part of the top five uh, thesis? Well, here's why I... Okay, so the the actual thing that I'd be concerned about most is the health of the receiving group. Mm. I mean, we are talking about the one and two, Odell Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman, both coming off of very serious injuries. I think Bateman recently started practicing OBJ. I mean, OBJ is like, you know, they're like, yeah, he's out today. No big deal. And it's like, is it? You know, <laughs> I don't know. So the, I think the the biggest concern has to be health. And I think that's probably the most legitimate critique of the Ravens. But another thing that I um, wrestled with a little bit, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. It's more of a football thing, something that I think is going to break 
the way of this take, which is to say it's going to work out for the Ravens, is the sort of, are you fixing something that isn't broken question? Because as I said, this is an offense that was, as much as we hated it in ways, it was incredible. It, It was the best, most dominant rushing attack in football, right? And the Ravens, were so yeah. unique in terms of how they ran the ball with their heavy personnel groupings. I mean, they were in 22 personnel, meaning two running backs, so Ricard, on the field 33% of the time, which is insane. And when they did that, they mostly ran the ball. So we're switching to an offense where I think we all believe they're going to be in 11 personnel with three wide receivers, assuming those guys are healthy. Um, Patrick Card, you know, was briefly working out on the offensive line, which tells you kind of what He's they're headed. So I think it was a it's a reasonable question to say, can they still be as dominant running the ball with this schematic shift? And I think they can. This is what I want to hear your guys' takes on. Um, because within the context of the old Ravens, if you broke out when they were either in empty or when they were in 11 personnel, they were unbelievable running the ball. Like, they right. don't need all of that. Like, it's it worked. It was really good. But because Lamar Jackson is such a unique rushing threat and because this is a good running, uh, run-blocking offensive line, I don't think they need all of those big dudes in there to continue running the ball effectively. And I think when they do run the ball, they're going to have a ton of space. All right. couple quick things. First of all, Bill, awesome. That was in impressive the way that you asked that question which forced mina to defend the spiciness of her take without even realizing that she was defending the spiciness of her take excellent job second thing the receiver point is a good one because this is reliant this offense now becomes reliant on receivers Uh, you're gonna have to have one-on-one matchups because the way that i described their offense before was kind of condensed and we're gonna do what we do we're gonna be better at it than you and now the way that they are i would project the way this offense looks is we're gonna spread it out and let you choose where you want to put your emphasis, and then we'll attack the weak point. If your receivers ain't, uh, then they then they're just gonna. There's no weak point. Then they're just gonna load the box like they always have, and you expect some second-rate receivers to get open. So yeah, this does put the pressure there. The one good thing about the offense in the past was it kind of didn't matter who you had out there because Lamar was so special, and what they were doing, they were so good at. It just kind of felt like eh. Who's healthy? Who's not healthy? I don't know. As long as we, as long as Lamar's healthy, we're going to be all right. And so I think we're still in kind of that situation. I don't think they're going to go back, but I do think your point, Mina, is an excellent one. I guess you could argue, I haven't looked at the numbers, uh, but because they're so good at running in 22 personnel that maybe defenses were a little soft when they went to the uh, 11 situations and maybe that impacted their run uh, ability. But I would assume they would do body it again blows. Now. Body <laughs> blows. I assume they would do that again now. I I think they're gonna throw the ball well early on because my guess is most teams are still going to look at this team and see Lamar Jackson and say, "Prove it to us." It's sad that we have this history with uh, black quarterbacks, so that we can't like fully lean into how Lamar Jackson might be the best running back in football. Because if I hear white people say that. My my um, eyebrows go up like, oh, so you say he can't throw, but he is actually I'm black, so I can say it. He is actually an incredible running back. 
but he's a, a really capable quarterback too who won the MVP in the league. And if you put an MVP out there with weapons and an offensive line that can protect them, it's hard for me to imagine anybody messing it up. And Todd Munkin, I mean, you really can't blow that. I feel like I could walk out there and call plays with mm. an MVP um, and some great weapons and a great offensive line. All right, give me, Dominique, give me your first series. Off, your offensive coordinator for Lamar Jackson and this <laughs> offense. What are your first three plays? I'm going to say scat left Lamar, do your thing, dog. <laughs> Todd Monken, that's basically been what he has been yeah. saying this offseason. He, he's been doing the like whole, um, I just let Lamar be special, man. Like I'm letting him have total control. Of this. Everything he's saying is so, from an optical standpoindpoint like just delicious. Um, I just I think- squeeze in one, one last yeah. little thing? Yeah. Also- organizational stability like the Ravens just are never like totally bad and they like also like are a well-coached team well-run team uh they draft well the weaknesses that you can see on this team are more on the defense than they are Mm. on the offense I want to one final thing about the 11 personnel and running out of it and will it still be as good um so when they were in 11 last year so I was looking at all their run pass splits and different personnel groupings, just trying to think about how different this is going to be. They passed it over 80% of the time, which is by far the most in the NFL. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, they're really good running out of 11, but it was sort of a small sample size. Um, I just think they're going to be a lot more unpredictable this year with their, their run pass splits and different groupings. And I think that's also going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, Bill, let me just, before we move on, do you agree with me? Because you, you asked me a, you asked me a question. I didn't get a sense of whether you agree. That's because I'm not sure if I agree. And I'm sort of <laughs> trying to delay my opinion as long as possible to hear your guys' arguments before I make a decision on this. Mm, I, 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 I could see bottom half of top 10 more than I could see top five. And I have a couple things yeah. I think I would point to that might make me be more inclined to agree with it that I think people are underselling number one being that Lamar Jackson played in a pro style offense in college at Louisville this is not like he was running some kind of gimmick offense his entire career like he was running an offense that had you go through progressions had you work out of the pocket like all the stuff that you would typically do as a traditional quarterback he of course had the other ability to run but it's not like Lamar Jackson is going into totally uncharted waters by running an offense that has like more than two deep passing concepts, which is what it was like for him in Baltimore with Greg Roman the first few years of his career. But the other thing I would say is I think when we talk about the shift in this offense, there's this vision of like them going from the Lamar offense from the past few years to like the 2007 Patriots with Tom Brady, where they're going to be running the spread 90% of the time and throwing the ball on first and second down 80% of the time. Like, they don't have to abandon the quarterback run game to get this stuff to work. We've seen teams run, like, power spread stuff. We saw the Eagles I was just about to year. say, I think it's going to look a lot more like the Eagles. Yes. Yeah. Like, like it's, not, it's not as if Lamar is going to run the ball two times a game. Like, he can still be a focal point of that running game. He can still be a threat, you know, to scare teams working out of, you know, spread passing concepts. Like that is not a a thing that is totally unfamiliar at the college and now at the NFL level either. So to me, it's going to be a departure, but I don't think it's going to be quite as much of a departure maybe as it sounds like in a good way. 
The hard I, thing about um, yeah. committing to this take for me, Mina, is not the the strength of the argument for the Ravens. It's when you look around the league. So, like, I think they will be among the yeah. best offenses in football, but you're requiring me to say, and that's what gives it a little bit of spice. That's why this is one drop of Buffalo sauce <laughs> compared to your zero Buffalo sauce before is because you're expecting them to be better than the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles. 49ers, Bengals, Cowboys, Dolphins, like these are all teams that put up really good numbers uh, in previous season. And so that's yeah. that's harder than anything for me. I think part of the reason I like them, and Bill, you kind of triggered this thought in me when you talked about the Eagles power spread offense, is even if they're spreading it out, even if they're airing it out more, it's still going to be unique in a way that is hard for modern defenses to stop. Mm. Um, in the same way that the Eagles, I think, had that going for them in terms of the power running game. All right, we got to keep it moving. This is my final take. This is my spiciest take. It's the ghost pepper of my takes. <laughs> but maybe it isn't. I don't know. It's probably like a jalapeno. Uh, staying in the division. And I want to clarify something. I sent this to you before week two of preseason. <laughs> Yeah, you did. And this is an actual good hot take. This compensates for the rest of your milk ass takes. This, this is a good one because it's, I, I also I have not said this anywhere. And I think fans of this team, like I haven't really talked about them a ton Ooh. this season. I think it's, sorry, I was about to couch it in uh, caveats. The Pittsburgh Steelers will finish top 10 in both offense and defense this year. Okay. So I don't Good think take. we really need to get into the defense side. I think that's probably not hot, not very hot. I don't. Think. I don't necessarily uh, agree with yeah. you. Really? Okay. <laughs> I think the offense side is hotter. So let's talk I, about the sure. offense side. So for sure. yeah. Um, okay. So last year, this offense uh, weeks the second half of the season. So once Pickett was rolling, entrenched as a starter, they finished seventh in DVOA, which accounts for opponent guys. By the way, I know they did play some easy-ish defenses but uh they actually played over the course of the season the fourth hardest least of defenses in the entire nfl mm -hmm. um and in that second half they were fifth in epa per play they were uh, very good at running the football uh but i have talked about this a lot i was pretty impressed with kenny pickett i thought he looked good making plays out of schedule he was good throwing the ball downfield I was a little bit like, uh, like you know, the, the in stay in the pocket, work the middle of the field. Both two things that I, I want to say I have been impressed by him in this preseason. I also really think he's being put in a good position from the talent around him. This is a team that has invested heavily in the offensive line. It's an offensive line that I think has quietly been improving for the last couple of years and I think will um, be much better this year. Draft Broderick Jones, don't know if he's going to start, but uh, signed Isaac Siamalo from Philadelphia. Uh, the rest of the offensive line is much better. And it's a really good group of skill players. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are a phenomenal one-two punch at wide receiver. Pat Fryermuth, I think, is a top 10 tight end. Najee Harris was, you know, kind of up and down, but uh, Jalen Warren, I think, is awesome. And I think he's going to get more carries and catches this year. What's not to like about this offense? I mean, I think people are still skeptical of it. The Met Canada aspect is fair, but I don't know, man. When I just look, when I was watching them in the preseason, when I was seeing what they did in the second half of last season, I just like them. Bill, 
you've been making a, a skeptical face. Hmm. I have been making a skeptical face. I want to figure out which part of that take I want to slander first. Uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Which part are you least confident about with the Matt offense? Canada. I don't think he's good. Matt Canada. <laughs> he's good. Watching them last year, I was like, Jesus, guys, they call the same stuff a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about that that post by week run for the Steelers where they were two and six. They finished nine and eight. Doing math in my head, they go seven and two in the second half of the season. Something that was missing for them in the second half that was all over the place in the first half were turnovers. They turned the ball over five times in nine games. Three of them came in a 16-14 loss to the Ravens. So otherwise, in those eight other games, they turned the ball over twice. Twice with a rookie quarterback, which, hey, impressive. Obviously, you have to, you know, rein in your quarterback who holds the ball for a, a long time uh, to make that happen, have to protect the football. Full credit to the ball carriers there. I think that will be tough to repeat. We'll talk about this a little bit with one of my takes later on, but I, I think a lot of what made that offense seem better was just that they were protecting the football like they were Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady at their peak. And that is mm. tough for me to see happening again. So the major issue for them has been recently, I know Mina, you point out their O-line has been getting better, but the best Steelers offenses and the best Steelers teams have had really good offensive mm. lines and have been good at running the ball. Uh, especially with Matt Canada, you're going to run the ball a lot on early downs, especially. So um, you would think that they would get better at that. They look better in the preseason. I've been hesitant I, I, I send friends texts every now and then when I'm watching uh, preseason games where I get excited about something. I might send people some big eyes or something to, of that nature when I get excited about something. And then I remind myself, it's preseason <laughs> and things are going to look different in live action. So from a name standpoint, I think you're right. Like Pickens is incredible. Highlights weekly, it feels like. Uh in the preseason and from college, but not as much in the regular season. Friar Muth is baby Gronk, I guess, which he's is good. He yeah, is no, I, I'm not knocking. I'm yeah. not knocking him. I'm saying that this is this is the best part of it. I, I really like for that one. <laughs> I really like Najee Harris, too. You're a little bit colder on Najee Harris than I am. But generally, I think we need to see if Broderick, Broderick Jones is not starting right now, which he's a He'll first round pick. point. He'll start. Yeah, his first round pick. You're not starting week one. I got questions about how good you actually are. I'm not going to pretend like I have done great O-line analysis, but if you're a first round pick and they're not putting you out there week one, anything short of quarterback, then there's something to be concerned about. Doesn't mean he's going to be uh, a complete miss, but that worries me. And the O-line, I think, is going to be the, the centerpiece to them getting better. Uh, Kenny Pickett had a I think a great rookie season considering where he was drafted and the situation he was in, but asking him to do that and be even better is little cause for concern. But I, I think Bill and I were a little bit skeptical on the defensive side. Too. All right, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, this is a defense that, uh, you know, I, I do have some question marks in the back end, but I think it will continue to be one of the better defensive fronts in football. A defense that still uh, finished with pretty solid numbers, despite the fact that T.J. Watt, who's one of the, like, the four best players in the NFL, missed uh, most of the season. I know, you know, him and Hayward are obviously getting a little bit older, but I think they've got both young talent it's a nice that the defensive front, I think, is a nice mix of superstars and young talent. And 
as those stars age, maybe, you know, they need to spell them more. They bring in Keanu Benton to help out with Cam Hayward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they just re-signed Alex Highsmith to a big deal. Nick Herbig, who they drafted this year, has looked awesome rushing the passer. He was a prospect I liked because uh, Mike Renner told me about him. and <laughs> I watched him. He's really good. He has looked like the, the real deal. Um, still, I think, strong at safety. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, it, it's the the corners are a question for sure. You have a mix of Patrick Peterson, who did actually look better sort of in Minnesota, but uh, that was a very zone-heavy scheme that I think complemented his skill set. So I'll be curious to see what kind of coverages they call because Porter Jr. is a guy you probably want playing more press man. Mm-hmm. But I just think the front, uh, and but I think there actually will be better at linebacker this year. The front even though it's still not the strength, is good enough to where they can hold up as they kind of figure out things on the back end. Mm. Now, I, I just I just want to point out, Mina, we all watched the Vikings defense last year, and it was torturous watching them in the secondary. They were hopeless if they didn't get pressure. And what the Steelers did this offseason is they moved on from Cam Sutton, who was a good player last year. I thought Cam Sutton was really underrated last season. And their replacements are two members of the Viking secondary. That does not make me optimistic yeah, well, hopefully for this they defense. won't be asked to play 15 yards back and just let guys <laughs> catch wide-open crosses in front of them. I hope so. Donatel Slater. I hope not. Oh, so Michael Thomas needs to play the Vikings. That would also, have been a real Steelers good Also, the Steelers' pass rush is way better than the Vikings' no question. pass rush. Which no question. Help. That is absolutely the case. I, I have major questions about the cornerbacks. I think Levi Wallace was yeah. fine last year. But Pat Peterson Sullivan, major questions. Peterson might be better at safety at this point in his career. Yeah. Joey Porter, I mean, like he's a rookie. We don't know what he's going to be yet. Hopefully he's great, but I mean, the Steelers are not necessarily the team that's going to put their, their first round picks or second round picks on the field for a good chunk of their rookie seasons uh, unless they are just so far above and beyond expectations. Inside linebacker, I think, is still a, a, a problem here. I mean, with Roberts and Cole Hogan coming over, Quan Alexander, Nick Kwiatkowski. They can't be worse. Moose. They cannot be oh, worse I don't know. than, uh, God, who is their linebacker? My, oh, well, Devin Bush. Tired today. I don't want to be a My, hater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, 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 it's not as if they have a guy where you think, okay, that, that's going to be the guy they can rely upon in pass coverage. Like, they have mostly guys who are going to be run stuffers to me in, in that part of the defense. And, I mean, yes. you know, getting T.J. Watt is going to help for sure, as long as he plays 17 games, which, you know, he'll probably play more games than he played last year. Um, but Cam Hayward is, what, 33, 34 now? Like, still, you know, if still he's... Still playing at a super high level. Still very good, no question. But, like, the, that that's my concern is if the pass rush is not great, I don't think the secondary can compensate. I think the pass rush will be great. Dominique? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with this pass rush... Um, not being great the questions at corner you already touched on those so i don't think i can add anything else to this defense tends to be a little bit less sticky than offense that's the thing that uh it's the only point that wasn't touched on that i think i could add to but i think most importantly let's establish that um of the teams that mina chose to discuss of them all together they've been under 500 once in like the last (laughs) eight years like one time of all three of the teams smart one time Smart. Wow. Okay. Well, that seems like a good place to end with the uh, broad conclusion that my takes were not that spicy at all. Uh, I am looking. You guys, we all sent them before. 
I am looking at Bill's takes and they are much spicier. So you're going to want to go over to the Bill Barnwell show uh, to catch the second part of this three-part episode where Bill uh, gives us his takes to mm. take test. And even even your first take, which you have as mild, I think is going to get some folks riled up. So go check that out, The Bill Barnwell Show, to hear part two of this podcast. And uh, meanwhile, on my show, I will be back uh, later this week with the annual Team Graph, Michael Jr. <laughs> <laughs>